Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine, and I am your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, about 20-some years ago, I was in my medical practice, and a young lady came into my office bringing in her newborn, who was only, I would say, two to three weeks old, maybe a month old. And I, of course, asked her uh, a basic question, which was, did your child receive a hepatitis B vaccine while in the hospital? And she immediately said, no, he did not. And she said, "Uh, I don't intend to give him any vaccines. Well, that was not an uncommon response at that time. Um, more and more of my young moms were declining vaccines even 20 years ago. And so I I didn't say anything because I always respected my patient's choice to decline immunizations. Uh, So, you know, I performed a, a, a physical exam on the newborn. And then I asked her again if she intended to do any of the childhood vaccines And she politely responded that she did not intend to give any of the vaccines. And so I asked her why. And she said, Dr. Jackson, I'm surprised that you recommend vaccines at all. And I was a little taken aback by that response. And she said, I'm a biostatistician by trade. And she mentioned a medical university in North Carolina that she had been employed at some time prior to moving to South Carolina. And then she said that she had done her research and she knew all about the vaccines. And then she began to ask me questions. And I have to admit, I was not at all prepared for the questions that she asked. And she asked me point blank, Dr. Jackson, are you aware that none of these vaccines that you are recommending have been tested against a true placebo. And I said, no, ma'am, I, I'm not aware of that. I, I'm, I'm satisfied that all of these vaccines have been tested uh, appropriately. And she said, no, none of the childhood vaccines that you give have been ever tested against a true placebo. They've only been tested against other vaccines. And I said, are you sure about that? And she reached in her diaper bag, and she pulled out a manila folder, and she handed me several uh, research articles, and she said, you take these and you read these, and you will find out that the childhood vaccines have never been tested against a true placebo, but only against other vaccines. And because of that, you really cannot know the true incidence of serious adverse events caused by these vaccines. And I looked at her a little perplexed and a little bit confused. And then she asked me another question. And she said, Dr. Jackson, do you realize that there's no real true science uh, regarding the adverse events and treatment of adverse events that are associated with the childhood vaccines? And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, most of my patients tolerate the vaccines well. 
And she said, that may well be, but what would you do if one of your children that you give a vaccine to suddenly has high fever and seizures? Have you ever read anywhere in any textbook exactly how to treat that? So I paused and I looked at the ceiling and I scratched my head and I said, well, uh, I've never had any, any course that talked about exactly how to treat uh, seizures and high fever caused by uh, a vaccine except to give them uh, Tylenol for the fever. And she says, that's exactly right, Dr. Jack. There's really no science. There's no evidence-based science on how to treat the adverse events caused by vaccines or how to tell in advance which children might be more susceptible to adverse events. There's no science on pre-screening. And I looked at her and I said, well, you're right about that. I've never read anything about how to pre-screen children who might be more susceptible to vaccines and vaccine adverse events. And then she looks at me and she says, Dr. Jackson, are you aware that all of the vaccines that you give uh, were grandfathered in to uh, the whole science of, um, what did she call it? She said, um, oh, evidence-based medicine. She said, none of the vaccines are based on any solid evidence-based medicine. The schedule, the frequency, the number of vaccines that are given. She said, none of these are based on on any solid evidence-based medicine. The whole schedule was designed before the era of evidence-based medicine, and the vaccine schedule that you use now and give to children every day in your office was grandfathered in before the era of evidence-based medicine. She said, there's no science for the schedule, for the number of vaccines, uh, and, and how often you give them. Were you aware of that? And I looked at her and I said, well, no, ma'am, I, I had no idea. And she said, well, that's a fact. And then she handed me two or three more medical journal articles validating what she was telling me. And she looked at me and she said, Dr. Jackson, I'm not giving my child vaccines based on shoddy science like that. And then the last thing she said was this. She said, are you aware that autoimmune disorders and autism have been skyrocketing since the advent of vaccines? Well, I thought I had her on this one. I said, well, ma'am, there's been multiple studies documenting that autism is not correlated with the vaccines. And she said, oh, Dr. Jackson, don't even go there. She says, all of those studies are faulty. She said, I'm a biostatistician. I have researched and read all of those articles, and they are not statistically valid. And she said the largest study was done by the Institute of Medicine, and they themselves concluded that there was not enough statistically valid information available to draw any solid conclusions regarding the connection between autism and the vaccines. And she says the fact still remains that autism has skyrocketed in children since the advent of all of these vaccines that you're giving to your patients. Well... I was really dumbfounded when she said all of that, and I had no response. She gave me all of these medical journal articles and research articles to read, and then she left, and I, I never saw her again. She, she was gone from my medical practice. I laid all that on my desk, and I read through some of it, but to be honest, I was a very busy medical doctor with a lot of other things going on in my life. 
I put it in a file folder, and I never really researched it much. And then, years, years later, COVID came along. And I'll have to pick that up again in just a minute. But over the years, in increasing numbers, moms would come into my medical practice, and they would very politely decline giving an immunization to their children. Now, that was not new. It had been happening for years, but it was happening now in increasing numbers. And I always respected the mother's choice and family's choosing for various reasons. Sometimes it was for religious reasons. Sometimes it was because of the fear of the vaccine's dangers. Sometimes it was concern for the use of fetal tissue and the development of the vaccines. And then sometimes it was just a suspicion of being suspicious of the medical establishment or the federal government. But then COVID came along and blew the lid off. And, and I have to be honest, now even my adult patients are afraid of or suspicious of all vaccines, even the adult recommended vaccines. And to be honest, I don't blame them. Nobody trusts the CDC or the FDA or the NIH or the medical establishment anymore. When I was growing up, there was a television commercial that used to come on. That It was a peanut butter commercial, and it said, Choosy moms choose Jif. <laughs> Jif was a peanut butter. And you know, choosy moms, loving, caring moms, are always protective. They're always choosy about the foods they give their children the clothing they buy for their children, who their children associate with. And I'll be honest, choosy moms choose to avoid childhood vaccines, and they're doing so in increasing numbers now. And here, here's the question, why? Well, there are many reasons why. First of all, they're better informed now than they've ever been. And moms that come into my medical clinic They've done their research. The Internet is available to them, and they can find out information with the, the, the click of a computer, things they could not find out in previous eras. And here's some of the things that they're finding out. Just like this mom who was a biostatistician employed at a medical university who came into my office 20 years ago, now, let me just read to you some of the things. Uh, and, and this information comes from a book that I'm going to recommend to you. And the title of the book is Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth. Now, the book was written by two uh, medical doctors from Israel. They chose not to um, put their names to the book. They wrote the book anonymously. And the reason is, is because people who are opposed to what's in this book tend to resort to ad hominem personal attacks against anybody who is anti-vaccine. Rather than attacking the content of this book, folks would have attacked them personally, and they knew that. So they published the book anonymously. And then they offered a $4,000 reward to anybody that could refute anything in the book. Now, this book was published in 2019, and nobody has even tried to claim the reward. All of the research in the book 
comes mostly from the data from the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA. This book is solid, and, I, and it's written for lay people, and I challenge you to find it, read it, and study it. It's entitled Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth. So here's the first review of the first chapter. Each and every one of the vaccines on the U.S. CDC recommended childhood schedule has been tested in clinical trials against another vaccine or vaccine-like compound that has a similar scope of side effects. Not a single one was tested against a true placebo. By placebo, I mean a neutral compound with no significant side effects. Now, there are a lot of physicians out there that totally, totally do not know that, totally unaware of that fact. The clinical trials designers use this technique to cover up the high rate of adverse events expected with each new vaccine. Thus, the new vaccine can be declared safe and its side effect proclaimed normal as the recorded side effects do not substantially exceed those of the other vaccine. Now, that's deceptive. It's just completely and totally deceptive. The second thing, which is a point that the, that the mom made in my office, was that the science of adverse events is a very missing link and provides for an empty toolbox for physicians. Even after more than 60 years of modern medical research, Medical science has yet to lay a methodology for vaccine safety science. Due to the lack of sound vaccine safety science, the physician's toolbox for handling vaccine injuries is virtually empty. Doctors have no diagnostic tools for pre-screening vaccine injury susceptible individuals. They do not have sufficient safety information to customize vaccine schedules for susceptible children. They cannot verify or rule out potential links between vaccines and subsequent adverse health events, which means they cannot make informed recommendations regarding future vaccinations, and they cannot offer effective medical treatments to negate severe and chronic health issues potentially caused by vaccines. And that was exactly the point that this young mom, who was a biostatistician, was making when she was in my medical office. The other thing is this. There are some studies that will never be done. Health agencies often proclaim that the current childhood vaccine schedule has been thoroughly tested by the appropriate professional bodies and found to be the best available. Contrary to this claim, the vaccine program as a whole has never been tested for effectiveness or safety. Now, that was unequivocally confirmed by the Institute of Medicine in a 2013 special report. That was the report that that young mom was referring to in my office. The impact that key aspects of the vaccine program have on children's health has also never been examined. Although numerous vaccines have been added to the childhood schedule 
over the past 30 years, no studies have ever examined the ramifications of the growing number of vaccines infants receive or the ages at which they are received or the frequency and order in which they are received, as well as other key aspects of the schedule. Nor has anyone studied the effects on susceptible subpopulations. This lack of scientific evidence makes it impossible to quantify the overall benefit of the childhood vaccine program. Hence, the sweeping institutional claim that the vaccine program has a positive effect on the health of the vaccinated is scientifically unfounded. The medical establishment steadfastly refuses to conduct vaccinated versus unvaccinated studies, though these studies could potentially reveal important clues regarding the dramatic rise of chronic disease in recent decades. Performing these studies is economically feasible, as well as ethically and methodologically sound. Why, oh why, have these studies not been conducted? Now, you'll be happy to know that there are organizations now who are privately funding these organizations. One is the control group. You can look them up online and find their research. Uh, And there are some other private physician organizations who are conducting their own research on the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And I'm going to quote some of those in just a minute. And then the last thing is this. There are unsubstantiated vaccination guidelines. And that young mom in my office referred to this as well. There is a glaring lack of adequate science supporting the safety of certain vaccination guidelines. The authorities claim that simultaneous administration of multiple vaccines poses no additional risk, and that is based on inadequate research at best. Some of the vaccine combinations given routinely in the U.S., for example, nine injections against 13 diseases, has never been tested for safety. There's no empirical scientific basis for asserting, and and I've heard this many times, that a child can tolerate up to 10,000 vaccines at one time. That's ludicrous. There's no scientific basis for stating that. Or that there's no upper limit to the number of vaccines a child can receive in a single day. That also is ludicrous. But I've heard vaccinologists say that. The institutional recommendation of vaccinating infants with, with a mild illness, that also is not based on scientific evidence. And yet physicians often vaccinate children who have an upper respiratory infection, runny nose, or loose stools, and they're obviously ill, but they will reassure moms that it's acceptable and safe to give their children a vaccine when they're ill with a minor illness. There's no scientific evidence for that, and yet it's routinely done in medical offices all over the United States and Western Europe. Now, Let me just share a few things with you. Many of you have heard about Dr. Paul Brown. He's a Seattle Seattle pediatrician whose license was taken away by the state in which he practices. And he has always advocated a different vaccine schedule for children in his medical practice. And basically all he does is he spaces out the injections. Rather than giving all the injections at one time, he gives 
fewer injections and spaces them out over a longer period of time. And he believes that is safer for the children in his practice. Well, in his practice, well, because of doing this, the federal government came down on him and uh, challenged the science of what he's done. And he laughed at them and says, well, there's no science for the childhood vaccine schedule that the CDC recommends. Why are you challenging me? Well, to defend himself, he hired an epidemiologist who came in and examined all the patients in his medical practice. 2,700 vaccinated versus 560 who were completely unvaccinated or who had been partially vaccinated. And they studied these patients over 20 plus years of time. And he discovered that there were zero cases of eczema in the unvaccinated. There were zero cases of asthma. There was there were no cases of ADHD in the unvaccinated. There were no cases of autism in the unvaccinated. None of the patients had developed cancer over those 20 plus years of time. There were no cases of diabetes and there was no evidence of any kind of immune activation such as asthma, allergy, eczema, or other types of autoimmune disorders. And his contention is that too many vaccines given too often and too soon was causing immune activation in the children who were receiving too many vaccines too often. More than that, there were no SIDS deaths in the 560 unvaccinated children. Now, you will be interested to know that 90% of SIDS death, sudden infant uh, death syndrome in children, 90% of them occur within 10 days of a childhood vaccine. Oh, my goodness. Did you know that? Is that information widely distributed? That 90% of SIDS deaths, sudden infant death syndrome, occur within 10 days of a childhood vaccine? And, I, and I'm telling you, that is a heartbreaking uh, incidence in the life of a family. Just two weeks ago, a grandmother was in my medical office, and her two-month-old granddaughter had died within five days of receiving her two-month-old vaccine. And she was a perfectly healthy, beautiful two-month-old granddaughter. Received a two-month-old vaccine, and five days later, they found her dead and cold in the crib in the early morning. Well, Dr. Paul Brown, his license was taken away by the state in which he works because he was not following the CDC vaccine schedule. Even though he has all this information to prove that his patients were doing better than other patients around the United States. Well, he's not the only one. Two doctors, Hooker and Miller, in 2020 studied over a thousand pediatric patients who had been vaccinated versus those who had been unvaccinated. They pooled together the data that included thousands of patients and they discovered that those who had been unvaccinated had a dramatically decreased risk of autoimmune disorders and upper respiratory infection. Two years later, 
they pooled together data from multiple different pediatric patients until they had many thousands more patients. And they discovered that there was a dramatic rise in autoimmune disorders and upper respiratory infections in the patients who had been immunized, fully vaccinated, versus those who were not immunized. There were odds ratios, relative risk ratios, of anywhere from 4.3 up to 27 times greater risk of autoimmune disorders in the vaccinated. And the graphs displayed in their research article were so dramatic that it was amazing. Now, let's talk about Robert F. Kennedy. Many of you know Robert F. Kennedy. In fact, he's, he's announced his bid to run for the Democratic candidacy for president right now. And he's the founder of the Children's Health Defense Fund. What got him started way back when with the Children's Health Defense Fund? Well, let me tell you what got him started. Back in 1989, after there was such a large increase in the number of vaccines that children were being given, uh, four years later, after that large increase in the number of childhood vaccines, there was a huge increase in the uh, incidence of autism in children in the United States. And people were taking note of it. And so the CDC hired two epidemiologist, brought them in and had them analyze data from the vaccine safety data link. Now, that data comes from uh, several HMOs that have tens of thousands of patients from around the United States, and they analyzed the data, and what they found is that children who had received the hepatitis B vaccine within the first month of life when they compared them versus children who did not receive that vaccine, that they had a relative risk ratio of 11.35 times greater risk than the children who did not receive the vaccine. Now, let, let's put that into perspective so you'll understand it. A relative risk of two is considered a definite causality. If, it, if it's biologically plausible, a risk of two, a relative risk of two is, is considered proof of causality. And in this case, if the children had received hepatitis B vaccine, their relative risk was 11.35 times greater than the infants who did not receive hepatitis B. Now, let me put that in perspective for you. If you have smoked for 20 plus years, and you acquire lung cancer, then the relative risk for you to acquire lung cancer after smoking 20 years, your relative risk is 10. In this instance, the relative risk of children who received the hepatitis B vaccine in the first months of life, their risk was 11.35. Their risk was greater than that of patients who have smoked for 20 years, greater risk than them of acquiring lung cancer. Well, the CDC knew that in the early 1990s. When they received this information from the epidemiologist, they called together a conference 
not at the CDC headquarters because they knew that the, imp that the conference would be subject to freedom of information request. So they held a conference at a Methodist retreat center in Georgia called Simpson Wood, and they gathered together CDC officials, the heads of pharmaceutical companies, and academic officials from all over the United States. And they had a two-day conference. The first day they met, all they did was talk about the data. And their conclusion was that there was clear proof that the hepatitis B vaccine was contributing to autism. The second day, they spent the entire day calculating how they could hide this truth from the American people. A transcript of that two-day conference was leaked and Robert F. Kennedy acquired that transcript. He was so infuriated that that's what led him to create the Children's Health Defense Fund. And that's what has led him for all of these years to be such a warrior in defense of children against childhood vaccines that are so damaging. And I'm telling you that that's why choosy moms are now choosing in ever-increasing numbers to reject childhood vaccines. That's enough for today. That's enough for you to digest for today. I'm going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about what steps should be taken for vaccine safety. Six steps. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. If you like what you hear, I pray that you would uh, follow, share, and like. Please tell your friends about More Than Medicine. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.